I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words of DraftKings podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by the smiling Matt Pinsensi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. Uh, we got a great event this week. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Quite a strong field. <laughs> That's why you've got the smile on your face, isn't it? You couldn't yeah. wait to, uh, to to tell us how excited you were for the event. Um, do you know what? It's funny because, and this probably doesn't translate to DraftKings, but I actually think it's quite an interesting betting week uh, on the Bermuda. I think there are some players that you can take that are probably overlooked because people just don't want to bet them because they just don't like their names and eventually you know you have to realize this is a really bad field where Thomas Dietrich, Adrian Moronk and people like that are you know the leaders in the field and uh, you know eventually once you go over the sticker shot you just realize who the best players are for this event. Yeah I mean I think it shows how sick I am that I'm looking forward more to this event than I was last week because I just hate the small field no cuts in terms of betting in DFS like they're fine if you want to see the stars but I, I like betting in DFS so I like this event better than I like the last week so I didn't see an awful lot of the CJ Cup I everything I read was it was a really good golf course it kind of played out how I thought it would play out with Rory and he even did what generally happens with Rory and birdied, bogeyed the last couple of holes to kind of make it interesting which is why I can never do it at kind of 8-1 to one and 7-1 to one. um I guess do we do we think any differently about Rory after a win or is it just this is just Rory McIlroy and that's it no of course not I mean this is the thing that people have to accept the only thing that changes legacy is winning majors now like nothing else changes the big picture on Rory but like if he wins 20 regular events more yeah sure but he should do that on his own anyway like just progressively as he goes throughout his career nothing changes till he wins a major no, I agree. I think he did join that elusive uh, club of 30 wins and uh, 35 wins and four majors, right? And Andy Lack tweets out yesterday, but like, otherwise, like, you know, like you say, it's just it's the Masters. I, I don't even necessarily think that if he wins another major, it really changes anything. I know it will um, boost his current profile and it, and it will stop the noise of can he ever do it again type thing, but I don't think a PGA Championship changes what we think about Roy McIlroy either. I think it just stops people from being able to say, well, he hasn't won a major in eight years, which is, I think is a big thing yeah. right now. But but grand scheme of things, I, I somewhat agree. You know, And I just one thing about our, our friend Andy's tweet there, and this has nothing to do with Andy, but it's funny how when people talk about Greg Norman and the worldwide wins, everyone, when they don't like the Greg Norman, you dismiss the, who cares about worldwide wins? Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the field, But now Rory's in the 30 worldwide wins all of a sudden. does So does worldwide matter? Or does it not, is it only PGA Tour or is it worldwide? Which one matters? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it definitely matters. And people just, I think what people don't realize as well is that like worldwide wins probably actually meant more then than they mm-hmm. do now. Yep. Like the European Tour was stronger than it is now. Um, you know, probably playing in Australia. And obviously Greg Norman's going to win those type of events. But like, you know, as well, I, I don't really care for Greg Norman. I, I, I have no interest in Greg Norman as a human being or as a, you know, even as a golfer. You know, he he you know he definitely blew more events than he should have done, right? So, um, I, I don't think we need to sort of give him this kind of medal. But by the same token, like you say, it, it is funny how people change their minds on on what's important and what's not, especially right. when it comes to Rory McIlroy. Um, but yeah, until he wins the Masters, I, I just don't think anything changes. Like, we expect him to win three, four times a year. He sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. And, you know, if he doesn't, it's a failure. If he does, then great. And 
if he doesn't win the Masters every year, is a failure. It's, it's as simple as that. And he's number one in the world now, which is great. Like, but it shouldn't. He it, it shouldn't have went from 2019 to 2022 without being the number one player in the world. Yeah. So especially when, is, especially when everyone says that he's the best, he is the best player in the world, and it's like unquestionable. And like, it's, it's never been unquestionable. Um, he has been great, and he has improved a lot this season. Um, and and it's been really good to see. Like, I, I actually enjoy him being the number one player in the world. I think it's great for golf, and I think he is a very good ambassador, right? But I don't think we should put too much stock into that I think it's just until he wins that major championship again there's going to be all these things around him and, and ultimately come April he's going to have to do it again and uh, yeah that he, he doesn't care until he wins that either by the way no like, and is it unfair sure but great talent comes great expectations and the and you have different goalposts than everybody else that's what part of being generational talent means so live with it I mean how long have people been talking about filming someone in the US Open right it's the, it's the yeah. same thing it's, it's, it's going to carry him it's going to haunt him for as long as forever so you know it'd be the same for Rory if he doesn't win the Masters off topic a little bit there let's probably on purpose because we're you know we're not too, yeah, too let's talk what everyone else wants to hear Denny <laughs> McCarthy <laughs> yeah we're not too enthralled by the field uh, at the Bermuda Championship but Thomas Dietrich is the 10-5 highest price golfer in, in the field Denny McCarthy 10-4 Adrian Ronk 10-3 Seamus Power 10-2 Aaron Rye 10-1 Mark Hubbard 10 First of all, that's almost vomit-inducing as it is, but you just have to get over it. It, it is what it is. Um, this doesn't necessarily strike me as a Thomas Dietrich course, although I think his, his talent can definitely win over. It's definitely not an Adrian Moronk course, and I don't think his talent will just win over. Um, so then it leaves McCarthy, Power, Ryan, Hubbard. I think we're probably both aligned in the fact that Aaron Rye's our guy this week. Absolutely. I love Rye. Uh, I love... If you look at what's worked at this place um fairways good approaches and you want to have a pretty good overall short game which he does lack a little bit in but he hits pretty much every fairway which you know this this event plays harder than people think it's going to last two years i've been i think 14 under so it's not easy you you do want to play from the fairway it can get windy which he's you know he's played well in scotland and he's these windy events before which is really important um irons have been good and he's just been playing well nothing crazy but he's been playing well in really good fields and i think now you take him into this field he's a guy who's proven he can win before on the european tour he's like a you know he's a guy if he gets in the gets in the mix i have faith that he can actually do it um so i just think he's a he's a you know a class of the field in terms of talent when he drops down to the dp world tour it is a drop down now whereas before that was kind of his level like he was a really good dp world tour player now it it looks like he's too good for that and, and should be playing on the PJ. So the one thing when I was looking at him from terms of a betting thing, like I looked at his performance last year and I was particularly interested in um, Mike Ober because, you know, our chameleon always correlates really well with this event. Obviously Brian Gay and Brendan Todd winning both events. Um, Danny Lee was second last year and he's, he's finished second in Mexico as well. So definitely some signs there. And, and that's where Aaron Rye finished 15th last year, which was really promising. But other than that, he was only 6th at the Tor- at Tory Pines and 13th at the Canadian Open. And the 6th at Tory Pines is, is the most confusing result I've ever seen in the entire life. Like, that, he might as well have won a tournament because that, that was as good as that was. Um, but otherwise, I was, I was surprised to see no more top 15s other than that. Like, I thought he played better than that. I did too. He was He's kind of gotten the mix a bit more. But, I mean, if you... And I agree. That's what I said. He played pretty good. Like, But if yeah. you just look at the field and half these guys haven't even been playing they haven't been able to qualify for any of these yeah. events like this is this field has been bad in the past but i mean last year you had fitzpatrick and reed played 
Yeah. Like you always get a couple of good guys in here. This year you just you just don't. Which makes me laugh because you can get into the Masters with this. You get two year exemption. Like everything you need is it's a full event now. Um, gets you into the players. I, I can't believe people don't play here. Like I was sitting there thinking like, why does the Tom Hogan not play this event? Like I know. What are you doing? Like how I, I know you're better than this and you're and you're playing better than this, but like go and win. Like go and go and get the win that you know you probably should get. I, sometimes I think people look at it and go like, you know, I'm not going to go there and expose myself a bit. Like Bermuda's yeah. going to get t- it's going to get windy, it's going to get a bit tough, and I'm expected to win. And if I don't, I'm going to look shit. Yeah, I think I think that could be it too. Um, and it's just like some of these guys are probably just thinking like, when am I going to take a take my vacation? Like it has to be some point, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great time to take a vacation anyway, is it? I mean, what are they going to do? Come over to England and just sit in the rain? It's just pointless. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they might as well just go in December. But, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, to me, Aaron Rye is definitely a better player than a lot of this field. He is definitely not going to drop his club because he wears two gloves, um, which is bonus in Bermuda. I was just surprised. I just I just thought he played better than he did last year. Um you know, ultimately he kept his card, and I think that was a win in itself for Roy. But it, it was, I think we said this at the start of last year: like he's not playing where we thought he was going to play well. And luckily, he did it in Mexico, which gives me a lot of hope for this week. Um, and I can't remember. Do you remember if he was on the bad side of the draw last last year? I don't remember. No. So, so me and um, Brad couldn't either. And I think if he was, then that's obviously a big factor. Like it's a massive factor this week, and definitely when you listen, we're we're just going to go through all the players that we like, and you know you're going to have to build your lineups based on the tea times coming out and the wind and weather reports, because there is definitely a factor of that in this week. Talk to me about that because I haven't really looked into that yet. So I haven't looked, you know, too much into it either. I will generally look at it like before my first round leader article tomorrow. Um, but last year there was a huge. I don't remember last year. There just always is. There's just always a massive gulf in like. Um, you know, tea times here. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, I seem to remember being on, like Brian Gay, who like finishes third, first, and twelfth, and he shot a 75 on the opening day, and then shot 67, 64, 68, and finished twelfth. Like, and I'm pretty sure he just got stuck in a bad wave at the start. I think that's how it goes. Maybe my memory's just bad, but the weather generally gets too bad. Like, gets bad at Bermuda in terms of. Is it always the afternoon? Not sure. I think I think it can just change. Like I'll, I'll need to yeah. have a look at it as we go along, but I would just advise okay. people. I always go on Windfinder and just you know go on Bahamas and and look there. I mean, don't just type in the Bahamas, yeah. otherwise you'll be you'll be looking at widespread things. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there was a bit of a wave split last year. Do we like any of those other guys above 10k? Um, I think you can make a case like Power. This is a really good course for him if he was playing well. I don't. I don't necessarily love his his recent um, his recent form. I thought he should have played better at a couple you know other spots that he hasn't really been playing well at. He lost 7.4 strokes at approach on the CJ Cup last week, so like that's gonna be a no for me because of that. But talk about talent in the field, like he's obviously you know one of the one of the better players. Yeah, I just couldn't get excited about anyone else other than than Ryan. To be honest, like the word excited is probably different about Ryan. Like I just think he's he's very very solid for this. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the 10k summer. I, I don't like Adrian Moronk. If someone asked me what I thought of Adrian Moronk for this event, I, I do not like it. Like, You look at the fact he finished 45th at Valderrama and that's a, an accuracy test and then he finished 22nd at Dunhill Links. Like, you know where he's going to play well and uh, 
I don't think it's going to be here. So I'm happy to be proven wrong, and he's he's won the Irish Open, which you know, Rise uh, played well in, but you know, not for me. Why is he so expensive? Is it just world ranking? I guess. I mean, I don't know. I was shocked to see him at ten three. I mean, that's excessive. Like, that's what is it? I mean, let's go to my favorite website in the entire world right now, the OWGL website. Um, I bet if I type in Moronk, he's not even the first person that comes up. You can't type in Moron, otherwise Cameron just comes up and that just <laughs> opens up 87 Australian golfers and none of them are Cameron Smith. Uh, he is 61st in the world right now. So yes, maybe that, yeah. I guess that is probably one of the best. Uh, just looking. I don't think anyone above him is uh, in this field. Seamus Power is 48th in the world. Um Dietrich? Dietrich should be, shouldn't he? But I don't think he is. Uh, apparently I can't find Thomas Dietrich, which means he's probably above Hadrian Bronk somewhere and I've skipped past him. But, you know, ultimately it's just based on his world ranking. I can't see any other... Like, it's not a great course fit for him. It's, you know, there's nothing really to it other than he's high up in the world rankings. Mark Hubbard, I guess, like, is solid. Can make a lot of birdies, yeah. I mean, but I, yeah, like you, I'm probably just gonna play Rye. Yeah, I, I think you can just stick with that. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find any more on the on the world rankings, but that is where we are for for that. Nine um, K range. <laughs> the the two guys at the top of the nine K range are actually really liking Justin Lauer and, and Nick Hardy, but they're just. I mean, I I said at the start you've got to get over sticker shock, and I will do with Nick Hardy, but I won't with Lauer. We can still get over sticker shock and also notice relative uh sticker shock as well like i obviously it's sticker shock seeing at, seeing him at nine nine and nine eight but i still think even considering that he's still too expensive um i don't know why he's you know a guy like adam shank at 8700 has been playing better than him um and some other guys down there i think are just you know better so lauer yeah he rated pretty well for me i was uh on these type of events i tend to like i don't I make these rankings and I tend not to really follow them too much unless like a tiebreaker or something. But in this events like this, you know, this, this week of a field, I do like to look at it and he did rank really high for me in a lot of, in a lot of different ways. So he does make sense. Um, but I'm not going to be playing either of those two guys. The, the thing I like about Nick Hardy is his ball striking has just been really good. So like there's something to at least sort of hang your hat on with, with Nick Hardy. He's second and 19th his last two starts in strokes going tee to green. 13th, 1st, and 20th in the three starts in strokes gain approach. And he was 14th um, at the Sony Open, I think it was last year or maybe the year before. Uh, second in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. So th- there's definitely things I like about Nick Hardy. And I think if I was to go, if I was going to pair Rye with someone at the top, it would be Nick Hardy. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, you know, we're in this type of event where you just have to look at the guys you want to play and like to play and, and you know, just just go with it. Yeah. Who would be your favorite in this range? For me, um, I had I had Jaeger and um, and Knox marked off here. Yeah. Jaeger just statistically seems really, really good. Um, you know, I can't even pretend I know exactly what he does that great because he just he doesn't just really. kind of yeah just, he's just solid over overall i guess yeah um and then and then Knox, who's who i imagine will be popular it's really early to see who's going to be popular but i can't imagine him not being popular i feel like every year there's people kind of bet him at this place and if you look at um i did just strokes gain total at this course 
Um, some have four rounds, some have 12, but I just want to see who plays this well. And he's second overall and he's played 12 rounds here and he's second only to Brian Gay. Yeah. He 11th, 16th and 12th in three starts here. And in a course that can get weather affected and there are ways, but it's pretty impressive that he's just consistently been inside the top 16. My concern, I have bet him this week, interestingly, at Russell Knox, which is a surprise to me, but he posted back-to-back top 25s to start the season. Missed a couple of Shriners and basically finished last at the Zozo, but he actually finished, I think, with a 67 at the Zozo Championship. When you talk about people that have got upside, like he's won the Travellers, won a WGC, won the Irish, um, plays well um, in Mexico. He's lost, lost in the playoff there as well. I just, I think everything points to him having a good week and the fact that he's hitting the ball better now than he has been um, is, is important as well. 14th and 7th in strokes can approach and top 35 in T-screen in both those events. What what price did you bet him at? Uh, 35 to 1. 40 to 1? 35, 40, yeah. Okay, yeah, he, that's not bad, I think. Uh... It's not great, but it just is what it is at this point. Yeah, it's not terrible either, I think. Um I have just as much faith as him as I do in Denny McCarthy at 16 to 1, that's for sure. I have more faith in him than I do Denny McCarthy. Yeah, more. Um, Then I really like, I mean, I like Grayson Sig as a fit for this golf course. I think he he drives the ball incredibly straight, uh, played well at Sands and Farms, shown some life in in the other two events that he's kind of finished lower down as well. Um, I I do think he's a good fit. I actually think most of the 9K you can make a case for, you make a case for Alex Smalley. I just think that when you've got Knox at 9-2 it's very hard to get to Smalley and Sig at 9-5 and 9-4 yeah I agree makes sense for Sig um, it just seems like the guys who have won here are like these just veterans who know they worked their way around a golf course like and who have played well yeah I agree let's go into the the 8k range I've, I've got a feeling we're going to wrap through this one pretty quick um, I, I don't think there's going to be too much to dissect here um Adam Long hasn't played the Bermuda Championship, but he's got second and third place finishes at Mycoba, fifth at the Corellas, 16th at the RSM, all events that I think uh, are important. Hasn't been a consistent player for a long time, but he he shot four rounds of 70, I think, at the Sanderson Farms, or the Shriners, one of the two, and then he had three straight rounds of 68 going into the final round at the Zozo and then broke it by shooting a 75, which sucks. Um... But it kept his price probably a little bit bigger this week. Considering how well he plays at the Mayakoba, he's played at Corrales, he's played at the RSM, considering the weakness of the field, considering the fact that he's beaten Phil Mickelson and held off John Rahm and Taylor Gooch as well, I think Adam Long at 8 9 and 50 20 in terms of betting is actually a really good option. Yeah, very fair price. Uh, very fair price. And he ranked out number one for me in my, in my model. Um, which again, I tend not to weigh very heavily, but this week I, I lean a little bit more on, and he rates out. He's just solid all across the board. Um, you know, g- good player in this field, and that's why I say mispriced. Like I, I'd rather pay 8,900 for him than a guy like um, Lauer at, at 9,900. I think it's it's very fair. The only thing is, I don't know if of course history matters here. It seems like it maybe it, it it might. I'd like to. I wish he saw the course before. That's the only my only hesitation on him. But like you said, Mayakob is. Uh, a similar comp he's you know if you play these coastal courses well um so yeah yeah I, I like it i like it as a play so i think i think you're right that it does matter but i think there's to, to add sort of context to the course thing that like probably only a certain type of player plays here every year anyway like 
the mm-hmm. Ryan Armors, the Brian Gays. Like Brian Gay is third, first, and twelfth, but he's gone third and first his first two starts. So any good form is only a two-year sample size anyway, or three-year sample size at most. And then the fact that they're always playing in weaker fields, etc. Like I think yep. it's something like a long coming in. So that's true, but like where else could Brian Gay come third, first, twelfth in three years? Mexico and Sony Open. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's what I mean. Like it's 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 that type of event where I think that like as long as you have the skill set, you'll be fine. I, I think is is my point that like I definitely think it's beneficial. Like I think if if you put Brian Gay and, and Adam Long head to head on the final day and they're both playing as well as each other and you know it's going to benefit the fact that Brian Gay has been here before. Um, I was really surprised on an A side that or B side sorry that Brian Gay hasn't dominated the Champions Tour. Yeah, I know. I thought he'd be really good, and yet it's just like Stephen Hawker that just keeps just destroying everybody. Yeah, I mean, if you look at guys who do well in the Champions Tour, it's usually guys who have tons of sex, like Bernhard Langer. <laughs> and I don't know if Gay does that is really there yet, so that could be it. It might be that. It could be that. It could be the fact that you know he's just actually not that good at golf, and he's just been like, I don't know what he's been doing. He's a great putter, is is what Brian Gay is. Um, he is. I think your reasoning is probably better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the 8k range uh we've obviously boxed off uh adam long there adam shink yeah i had him start as well he just been he's been playing so good uh and that's pretty much you know like 12th at the shriners gained 5.6 in approach and 16th at the zozo how can you ignore him playing you know 12th and 16 in those two strong fields and coming here like do i think he can win i'm not really sure about that probably not but i just think he's a really safe play so I went through a little period of time where I thought Adam Schenk, you know, definitely could win. Like, he, I thought he was okay for the most part in that time where he lost in the Shriners. I know, obviously, he, he did gag it away, but, like, 26th here on his only start at this golf course. Doesn't, it doesn't strike me as an Adam Schenk golf course, and yet he has done well in it. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one. But I think, like you say, in terms of people that are just in form, uh, he's right up there. Yeah, yeah, he is. Are you going to a guy, Brandon Wu? I looked at that, and I, it's funny because he's played Mayakoba well, and he's played, um, was it Mayakoba? I don't know if he played, uh, whatever, the Coastal. He played the Mexico Open, didn't he? Play the yeah, the Mexico Dawn Open. Or... So I don't know if that's if that, that's similar, but Mexico and Puerto Rico and Corrales, like he's played all these area-type, like coastal resort-type places well, which I think could translate, but... I just don't like the golf course for him. I, he tends to spray it with the driver. It doesn't really make sense there. He's not great in Bermuda. I, I want him on past Palom. So I looked at it for a minute, but I'm going to probably decide no. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like I think I think the reason he's priced the way he is is one, he's in decently solid form for the first three events that he's played this or four events he's played this season. Um, he is a player that plays well in these kind of limited fields, but it's the perspective and the context you've got to add in there that it's actually probably not the greatest course fit. Like it, just because he plays well in coastal courses doesn't mean that he can play well at this one. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. So, 34 here last year was was promising enough, but it's 8400, and you've got to start making some choices here. I like Austin Ekro. I thought I thought he was kind of appealing. He's he's making cuts without doing anything. It looks like he's bubbling under the surface to play well. Um, and Will Gordon's been obviously playing well like for the most part, but other than that, I, I don't really love the range. Yeah, I'm, I looked at those guys, but I decided just like the profile of the guys who have played really well here, just 
just seems like that's still kind of forcing it where people have been trying to force the issue with these uh, you know these younger up and coming players when it's really been veterans who dominate this type of year talking of veterans when you see Cameron Percy at 7900 that generally tells you what you need to know about an event um, which event is it that he finishes like 8th at every year uh, what is it just, You've just been so bad. I, I would tell you, but I'm currently trying to load up the OWGR website, and you know, just as it, I, I love, it's very, very slow. Um, Corrales, he's been good. Puerto Rico, I think it's Puerto Rico. Both Corrales and Puerto Rico. Yeah, Corrales, Puerto Rico plays well. I think he plays well at the Wyndham as well. Uh, John Deere, he's played well. So he plays well in these kind of like short birdie fest type events. Corrales, I think, is probably the one that I was actually thinking of. Um, does that translate to here? I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited about him at 7,900, and he's finished 48th, 26th missed cut, so we can probably skip over the first person in the 7K range, I would say. Yeah, he always lets me down, I, and I do like a decent amount of guys in this range. But let's get into some of those guys. Then. I mean, the, the first one that I like uh, is Marty Du, who is actually uh, Zen Sheng Du on... Um, DraftKings, but um, he does go by Marty in the, in the United States, and I definitely don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, so I don't want to butcher it too much. Um, he is very much the I'm going to go by what type of course that he's played well at, and he's finished first, second, and third in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's finished top five uh, in Panama as well. He's just playing some pretty decent golf, 21st at the Fortinet, 54th at the Sanson Farms. He was third on the Corn Ferry Tour just before finishing up there. He has three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour and four in China as well. So to me, he's he's making a really pleasing like progression in his career. He, like he's only 25. He looks about 12 in his picture because he actually looks like he's come out of his um, you know junior school yearbook or whatever it is that you call it over there. But yeah, three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour, four on the China Tour, lost in the playoff as well on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. Um, I think this is a player that can obviously win in the wind and is probably a little bit better than people know about. Is he Chinese? He is. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good insight. I didn't, I didn't know too much about him, so that's, that's definitely good to know. Um, the guy I was looking at right in that similar price range was Chesson Hadley, yep. who had a really strong season last year. You know, he was kind of up and down towards the end, but then he started off pretty well here. He was 37th at Shriners, which I think is not that bad for that field. Gained three strokes on approach. Um, he played here in 2020 and finished in 16th. Uh, so he's third in my, you know, in my last 24 rounds for approach. Um, he's one of the better Bermuda grass putters. He's gained more than seven strokes putting in his career. All seven of those have come on Bermuda grass. Um, so he is at like high ceiling as a part of that you're looking for. You looked at the alternate field event. I think it was Barbasol where he was like 28 to one. And it was like basically the same field cause he was hot at the time and he's still playing pretty well. And I think now he's 60, 66 to one. So I, uh, 70 on a, on a couple of places. And I bet that. And I still think he's still underpriced for DraftKings as well. Yeah, no, I like that. I think yeah, you don't have to convince me too often on Chess and Hadley. I'll probably play him more than I should. Um, so at 76, he makes a ton of sense. Does he drive it straight enough? Probably not. I think that's probably the issue. But I, I like the fact that he came 16th here last year in uh, 2020. Yeah, I, I think... I think again, like you know, we're saying it's a tough driving course, and, and and sort of we're basing that on the fact of who's won here. But like Lucas Herbert isn't the straightest driver in the world and won last year, right? So no, think, and he has a great short game to make up for it, like Hadley, right? Yeah, so I think I think you've got to have 
one or the other and if you have both then you get you know your game on like brian gay is a straight driver and a great putter so it's a it's an awesome combination but um probably relying on brian gay for another year is probably out of the question so that's enough brian gay references uh, for <laughs> the podcast um this is a it's an interesting range. Is Peter Manalsi out, or is that uh, out from last week? That's a good question. I think I haven't seen that he's out. Um, I I liked him as well. He was really good um, in my rankings, and you know what? He's been bad recently, but I still think he's been bad in the past, and he still comes here and plays well anyway. It's just Peter Malnati's spot. Yeah, he's just like, he is. This is me for Peter Malnati. Of course, he can't. Um... He can't play well everywhere. He's just not that type of player. Um, he is out of the Bermuda Championship. Just have a look. Oh, that sucks. He's withdrawn. And guess who he's been replaced by? DJ Trahan. Um, so there you go. Some class has been added to the field finally. Um, you said you had quite a few guys in here that you liked. And I'm I'm looking at it actually struggling. I think I liked Kevin Yu. I thought what he'd done so far this season was, was pretty impressive. Uh, 19th at the Sanderson Farns, 37th at the Shriners. Um, I thought that was a decent enough start. Uh, and Ben Griffin has shown some signs in terms of ball striking, but otherwise I think it's a bit of a tough range. I liked Griffin, and there's another guy who I bet in this range who I really, really like, and I think he's just so underpriced under Atkins and so overpriced in the betting market. Like, um, And that's Scott Piercy. Yeah. He, Q- I just queuing on Scott Piercy. Yeah, ninety to one and eighty to one is what I saw. I think that's unbelievable because look at the way he's played lately. Right, he almost won the three M. Yeah, that was really ugly on Sunday. That's fine, but the field was much better, and the, he did get himself in that position. Um, and he's played played here in twenty twenty, finished in fourteenth. Okay, and then he's the fourth best short game in his past twenty four rounds in this field. That's uh, putting in, in around the uh, around the green combined. Birdies and birdies or better he's 10th in this field in this past 24 he came second at the sony open we talked about having that correlation and he won the barbasol which is uh robert trent jones design this is this is as well so a lot of reasons why i really like him three-time pj tour winner on his own four times have included his win with biddy horschel two-time winner on the corn ferry tour like there's not many people with that kind of profile he was second at the u.s open in 2016 fifth at the pj championship in 2013 like this is a guy that, because he's so good at ball striking or has been so good at ball striking in the past, um, I always remember just putting a tweet out and saying that him and Horschel were going to win because PSC was going to ball strike the lights out and uh, Horschel was actually just going to putt for him for once, which meant that he could actually have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he doesn't make enough putts would be would be the only question, but otherwise it's, it does seem a bit of a misprice. Right, if it's 15 under again, then he can get there. Yeah, I think so. What about um, Bryce Garnett? This feels like a Bryce Garnett golf course. He's the Duke of Past Palom. He's almost like I think he's the Brandon Wu type. You know, he, he's he's the Corrales in the um, in those those courses. But yeah. has he has he played well here? I'm just trying to find that now. My uh, my course sheet is is taking a little while to to load up. But um, I'm going to say he's probably not given the prize because whenever he does play well at these kind of golf courses, it gets caught up. Uh, 21st in one start. Yeah, he's 18th here in strokes gain total per round. Um, and only four rounds, so take it from what you will. But I think it does. Yeah, it, it, it makes some sense, yeah. He he just likes these types of events. Like, I, I just... You don't trust a guy like Bryce Garnett, but are these in these limited fields, like, 
43rd at the Fortinet and 54th at the Sons and Files is actually better than quite a lot of people in, in the field, which is what you kind of have to get over. Yeah, and th- another person in that kind of right uh, that thought process is Lucas Glover, who 7,500, I just think, I don't know, maybe he's too good of a player for this price. And not. And he hasn't been great lately, but he, he did finish in the top five at the St. Jude, which wasn't that long ago. Uh, he hasn't played here. I'm not sure exactly on the course fit, but he just seems a little bit underpriced. Yeah, I think he's a good player and he's surrounded by people that are not as good as him. So, yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's great. Um, to me, that one person I think stands out here that has never played well here yet, but I think he will, uh, is Brian Stewart. Yeah, I think he's... He, he loves these events. Like He's a three-time or a two-time runner-up in Mexico. I think he's got a fourth, fifth, a sixth, and an eighth at the Sony Open. Um, he's 15th in strokes gain approach his first two events this season. You go back three, six, 12 months on, on driving accuracies inside the top 21 after all of those. So he drives it straight. Um, he plays well at the correlative courses. Is it that the greens are just not for him at this course, and, and that's why? But, you know, 12th and 61st so far this season... Loves those other courses. I just like Stuart at seven. He's he's basically Brian Gay, isn't he? He is. Um, I yeah, I agree with that. I bet him last year because I always look at my old previews before I bet new ones, and I saw that I bet him. So that that does make plenty of sense. Um, Tyler Duncan is a guy who should play well here, right? He should, and he has done as well. I think he's he's had a decent uh, effort in the past. I think he was 18th on debut. So he. That was like the best he could do all week. Like he went 70, 68, 67, 67. But again, I don't know where he was in terms of tee times and, and what the weather was like. like. I do think that's a big factor, so I think it is something to consider. There was someone else in this range I wanted to mention, but I don't... Uh, I can't... For whatever reason, I can't figure out who it was. Um, yeah. Nah, never mind. All I would say is they can't be that good if you can't remember who it was. <laughs> um, was it Nate Lashley? No, no, no. I don't play Nate Lashley. Was it uh, Harry Hall? No, don't play him either. Let me. Oh, uh, not know. Armor. I mean, Armor is a guy, same same guy as we're looking at, right? He is. And he's got two eighth-place finishes here. Like huh. it's, it is what it is with him. Uh, what about Harrison Endicott? I don't no. know an awful lot about him, but he's played okay so far this season. Yeah, I don't think so. don't <laughs> like his name. I don't like his name either. Um, <laughs> the Australians. Um, any Australian listeners out there, I actually utterly adore your names. Um, is that enough for the seven K range then? If if you if you remember the guy, then we'll come back to him. Yeah, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> the six K range at the Bermuda Championship is going to be a, a dark place uh, to visit. Um, Brian Gay is in there at sixty-seven hundred. Uh, Let's have a look down the list. There was one player that I looked at last time. So this guy cannot make a cut to save his life, uh, you know, week on week, but has won at the Bahamas and is meant to be one of the biggest prospects in golf and just never lived up to it. Who do you think? Oh, is? man. You stole my thunder. <laughs> that was, that, that's my winner this week. Akshay Batia. He doesn't look yep. like he will withstand the Bermuda winds. Uh, he looks like he would actually get knocked over by the wind. So whereas Aaron Rye will keep himself upright with his two gloves, Batia could go missing. But 
I just like talent alone. Do do you think he's hurt himself by not going to college? Yes, I think he probably did. Uh, I I don't I don't think it was the right decision, especially with all the um, uncertainty with the COVID stuff going on. Yeah. Like that hurt him a lot. He really had nowhere to play. Yeah, and I, I think I think that, that there's two sides to it. It's one, I admire how much he backed himself. Like I think it's amazing, and I think he was probably offered some sponsor exemptions and and thought he was going to make good use of them and didn't. And you know that's a very small sample size, given he probably had four or five starts before they gave up on him. Then he goes and wins in the Bahamas with his girlfriend on his bags, never looked so relaxed in his entire life. And then he just does nothing, like li- literally nothing since. And you think, what's going on? Then he finishes 24th at Knoxville Open, 16th at the Adventi Health, 14th in Utah, 27th at Pinnacle Bank. He's starting to show little signs here and there of, of form coming back. He he didn't finish the Corn Ferry Tour Finals off well, but this feels like a spot start for Batia. Yeah, I mean, just talent alone, he's one of the most talented players in the field. For those who aren't as familiar with him, he turned pro when he was 18 or 19 um, and won the 2019 Jones Cup, was number one ranked junior player in the country, first high schooler ever to become a, a member of the winning Walker Cup United States team. So just a really, really, really good player. Lefty, really nice swing. Um, and I think the win you know, in the Bahamas is enough for me to think that he can do something at a place like this. It, you know, uh, the, he won at Sandals Emerald Bay, which I think is fairly similar. And the winning score was like minus 15. So it wasn't like it was a birdie fest either. Uh, and I think, and I follow him on social media. So he has been talking previously, like when he was in his rough stretch was, um, I think he was having some health concerns, like he was battling an injury and he was just like, he got really down on himself and then he started to build it back up towards the end of the year. And I do think he still has the profile of being a potential star. He's just still so young. Um, but I think he can definitely win in this field. I think 250 to one, I'm, I'm going to bet it just to win like a hundred grand and see what happens. <laughs> I, I just think, I think with Batia, like <laughs> just casually a hundred grand. And with Batia, like it, it's just talent will take over eventually. Right. And, we, I sort of remember having the same sort of conversations about Thigala right at the very, very start. That like he was kind of four or five hundred to one or three hundred to one his kind of first starts. And because we've heard his name so much, Batia, we probably think he's played a lot more than he has, and he's still just relatively untested at, at this level anyway. So I think it's very hard for us to draw conclusions on him so far when there's not a lot of body of work to go by. But here's the thing if the talent is what we think it is and what i do believe it is it still might be early for that talent to um accumulate into what you know we might think he can turn into but even if it there's a chance of it like it's just a good he's, he's finished ninth at the fortnet last year it's better than justin sucker do <laughs> you don't like justin's idea no I, I, was listening, I was listening to my 2020 bermuda betting preview on this podcast and i tipped justin sir that week <laughs> uh and I, I was listening to it earlier and it just made me chuckle because i was like oh matt will love that um <laughs> but yeah i mean i just i just think he is someone i mean i i probably by the time this podcast goes out or whatever maybe he's not but i feel like he's being overlooked let me let me say this i'm gonna everyone listening i'm gonna put four hundred dollars to win a hundred thousand on batia this week what's a better chance winning the lottery or having one of the most talented players and one of the most talented prospects we've seen in a long time beat a field of a bunch of scrubs yeah but you don't pay four hundred dollars on the lottery do you? this is a this is a calculated <laughs> risk calculated risk everybody so next week when if he wins um if, if he I'm, wins i expect you won't be here next week that might be the, no the i'm gonna be here i'm just gonna be really drunk <laughs> you're gonna be really drunk and just 
telling everyone that I told you so. Exactly. Um, but anyway, but to more um, serious points, like 6,300, I just think is an absolute steal. Like, he just gives you so much that you can do. Um, basically, I don't think I want to go any lower than actually Patia. And, and he's being priced. Let's just look at who he's being priced with. Uh, Kyle Westmoreland. Uh, Clay Fiegler. I don't know who Clay Fiegler is. Um, Palmer Jackson. Don't know who that is. Feels like his name's the wrong way around. Should be Jackson Palmer. Um, <laughs> Chandler Blanchett. Just makes I just see that name and think it's Kate Blanchett. Um, Caleb Surratt. Do we know any of these players? Bob Garagas, who everybody said was going to be the best player on the Live Tour. <laughs> Kim Swan. Who's Kim Swan? <laughs> like there are so many players in this list. Uh, around this price range, I do not. Maybe I'm exposing myself here and should know more. But no, I don't know them either. Um, David Hearn's been good at this course. David Hearn has been good at this golf course. And to be honest, I think there's probably still a little bit of life in David Hearn. What do you got? What do you got to think is that when when we say there's a bit of life in David Hearn, like him finishing 13th, 40th, 40th on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, is probably good enough for him to compete at this event. Like I know. Mm-hmm. At the top, there is some more consistent golfers, but there's also just some really, really bad golfers. Um, poor old Sun Kang. There was a time when I thought Sun Kang was a really good talent. Like, KH Lee is what I thought Sun Kang could be. Yeah, yep, I think so. Um, kind of like a Danny Lee type. Like, when he does spike, he can kind of get in the mix, but it's just so rare. It is really rare. I mean, what, what is, it? is he? Was it 60 that he shot at, like, one of the Pebble Beaches courses? Yeah, yep. And, and he didn't, uh, you know, that to me is just wild that he's sort of fallen off. When you look, just seeing where he's sort of played well in the past, it's not any of these coasts. He finished top 10 at the Sony Open. Hmm, that's interesting. Has there been anything else that I can pin my hat to with Sun Kang? Not really. I mean, Pebble Beach in itself is, you know, wind affected. What about two gloves, Tommy Ganey? Is- no, I don't think so. But <laughs> two two glove mafia with Ganey and Aaron Rye. We we already got one guy with two gloves. I yeah, think. I I can't trust two of them. But back to Hearn, he's played here three times, twelve rounds here, and he's fourth in strokes game per round. Yeah, eight eight eighth and thirty ninth. And so is Kramer Hickok is up there too for whatever reason. Fifteenth, eighth, and thirtieth. Yeah, so those two guys seem okay. Um, I will say it doesn't. To the Kang Hickok point, sh- it doesn't feel like an Asian Asian place to me. No, it doesn't. It, and it doesn't feel like a Sun Kang place, more importantly. No. Um, hasn't Hickok played some decent golf recently? I don't know. I'm, I, I just thought of it because I saw him in the rankings and I, and I did bet him last year he because of that. He finished 25th at the Fortinet. Um, what was he? I'm sure he was doing something a little bit... No. Okay, so he's missed three cuts before that and two cuts after it. So... It was just that force and appearance, but that's probably enough. Like the Barbasol in July, that's the like I said, Trent Jones. Yeah, he was thirteenth there. It's, it's such a tough event to handicap because what you've got to try and work out is how damaging are the missed cuts that the people have that have missed, uh, and how important are the top 20s that they've had in certain events like you, you have to give such a different ranking to every score this kind of event um, it's a tough scene I, 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 I love the event in terms of betting don't love trying to build a DraftKings lineup for it I think love is still a strong word but it's it's, it's you're, not that you're bad. just about to spend $400 on that shave here. what do you mean you don't love betting this event <laughs> 
I don't. I just love. I just love Batia. I'm the president of the fan club, and I want. I want. Uh, I just want to will it into existence. I guess. By the way, if, if David Hearn and, and uh, Akshay Batia prop up your, you know, your lineup, you can basically do what you like. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I really uh, don't think David Hearn is much less of a chance than, I don't know, any of the, like pretty much anybody in the seven K range or eight K range. Like it just, it, who knows. So I'm just putting it out a little list here together. You can have Aaron Rye, Russell Knox, Nick Hardy, uh, Marty Do, David Hearn, and Akshay Vatia, and leave $600 on the table if you like. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Who, who do you think like? Because this this is important, right? Is we can go scattergun approach on names, and and you can fit people here and there, and there's very much this approach so far. Who do you think you can actually, you'd feel confident putting in? 80, 90 percent of your lineups this week. For me, it's Rye. Yeah. Like, because you're going to need players like that, that are just going to anchor your team. Mm-hmm. Like, even uh, even if they don't win, like I think sometimes when we think about people that are like ten and nine eight and eight Ks or whatever, we're, we're always looking for that winning upside. But sometimes I think, especially in events like this, you have to find someone that you're absolutely solidly sure they're going to make the cut because. This is an event where I think something can go horrendously wrong. Yeah, for me it's Rye and Piercy. I think those are my two favorite plays in overall. So I like Rye and Knox in terms of like safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the thing is again that I'm, I'm talking myself out of them because I like the likes of Marty Do and, and Brian Stewart. I think are just really good fits uh, for this event and just you know, especially in Stewart's case, hasn't shown that yet at the golf course. I think like Adam Long is just like really overlooked player at the moment, just because because I think Adam Long before was like consistent but not great, and now he's not consistent. People have just forgotten about him. Right. My my question is: Is his hair that blonde naturally, or does he dye it blonde? Uh, he's got a dye, it, right? It's just like yeah, it's, it's it doesn't seem like he fits his body. That's also, one does, of my concerns. Doesn't he, doesn't he have the MLB sponsorship? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't understand. I don't understand it. There's a couple of them that got it. Like, are they sponsored by Major League Baseball? So you don't think you you can watch golf and see a guy with an MLB shirt and say, "Wait a second, I think I'm going to try to watch an MLB now." <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just like I don't. I don't even know. Is it, is it even allowed? Are you allowed to, as a league, sponsor an entity? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I think apparently. Like the Premier League sponsors Aaron Rye this week. I don't understand it. I mean, I guess if yeah. Kevin Kisner can have Tax Slayer on his polo shirt, then Adam Long can probably have a baseball patch. Yeah. At I first, so. I just thought he really liked baseball and just so just sort of sewed it on himself, and then like <laughs> <laughs> like he just wanted to make his golf polo look cooler. But that would be bizarre if that were the case. Maybe that uh, that could well be the case. Um, last you, you, you have a face like you're just about to drop a name. Yeah, I was going to drop a name. Um, if Wesley Bryan was like alive this seems like it'd be a good course for him so wesley bryan his brother um george makes a lot of youtube content and drags wesley on there at times and i'm pretty sure um they did one recently about wes being the worst driver on the pga tour to now being pretty consistent Mm -hmm. um so if that is a factor then great is it a Wesley Bryan golf course? I'm pretty sure it is. Let me just look at where he's played well in the past. I'm sure he's done well at some sort of events like this in the past. 27th at Sony last year. Because there was a time when, like, every now and then, I like, just bet thousands one golfers on Betfair over here, and 
he was definitely one that just kept getting a look. So he has won the Heritage, won in Louisiana, Kansas, and the Mexico Championship on the Corn Ferry, which could be a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's just it gets pretty, you know, slim pretty quickly. Panama, he's played well, finished seventh. 27th at the Sony Open last year, as you already alluded to. 32nd at the Sony before that. 32nd again at the Sony. So he's finished 27th, 32nd, and 32nd at the Sony. 15th at the Corrales. So actually, it probably is a Wesley Bryan golf course. Yeah. Should Maybe. We, but he's the type of guy like you just can't bet. Like you just can't. You can't put in a lineup thinking Wesley Bryan's going to get me through the cut. Right. Yeah. He's probably not going to. Um. Shot 66 in round two of the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, Wesley Bryan. Um, it's a shame because there was a point where he looked really, really good coming on to the. Because I always remember him breaking away from the stigma of being this like trick shot artist to being a legit PJ Tour talent, and it just didn't last very long. Right. Yeah. He's not incredibly accurate for somebody who doesn't hit it very far. Well, that that that's that's going to get you <laughs> off the PJ Tour pretty quickly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you look at it, right, he beat Luke Donald at the Heritage, which is an achievement in itself. Then he's beaten Richie Rorenzi in Mexico on the Corn Ferry by four strokes. And he beat Grayson Murray and JT Post in the playoff to win the Digital Alley Open. So, to me, that's that's a pretty impressive scalp for someone. It's it is. Just, I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy that just got there and just that was it. Like, he was just like, alright, okay, I've done it now. And, you know, if I, if I can nick a few quid here and then just carry on with YouTube then great right if I if you could guess at Wesley Bryan's highest ever world ranking what would you say it was I think it was pretty high I want to say 47th higher wow 20th no Wesley Bryan was the 36th best golfer in the world at one point apparently 47th was a good guess then 47 was a great guess um, it was right in between your two guesses 36th in the world imagine that like I just can't I rem- ever I remember it I, yeah I, he's currently he's basically Aaron Wise at the moment yeah yep so yep. I think that's one thing that people have got to we're going a bit off topic in a couple of things here just because it's the Bermuda and you can that shows the volatility of golf right like even with these world rankings as they are now like a player can change so like he's the 780th whatever world ranked player in the world right now i know a lot of his has been injuries and stuff like that but like we look at some of these players and we think oh they're never going to come back or they're never going to make it or whatever like an actually batia this is a perfect example of an actually batia like he's not going to make it he's come out and and not gone to college and he's just never going to fulfill his potential like he's 20 mm-hmm. like he's got 10 years to figure it out before you start going okay maybe this is not going to work for him right yeah it's it's crazy how golf works and it's like it's also the, the opposite too where you can be the best player then all of a sudden be terrible it's you don't see it in other sports because just golf is so mental compared to physical and i think you see guys get good and bad it's just it's that's what what makes it so interesting and so difficult to predict and i think that's why we love it so much and i think with with other sports as well is like a decline for a really good player in other sports generally comes with age or a team being bad right like mm-hmm. bad chemistry bad locker room um injuries or whatever whereas golf generally can just 
if you don't have a good season one year things become a lot more difficult and everything just like you have to go to an event and you have to pack your car early on a friday and go home and that after four or five weeks in a row probably takes its toll and you know then you get a, a sore wrist or, or whatever and things change very quickly yeah it's, it's a battle i'm sure i mean mental physical battle it's you know one that obviously anyone listening in would would gladly do if they had the chance oh, but it can't be like, easy we sit here saying like we you know like why are people not going to Bermuda? Like this is probably why, because people can't be bothered to travel all those Bermuda to miss a cut in the wind when they've just played thirty-eight events this season. Like it probably yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you know it does, it does. But again, get, sign me up. I'll be there if you want me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can probably get in this field. So um, let's wrap it, let's wrap it up, Matt. Um, best play above ten k. We both just going Aaron Ryan, leaving it there. Yes. Cool. 9k range i am gonna go with russell knox okay let me just see i forget who's up there um hmm i'm gonna go knox too if if someone wanted someone different i would go in nick hardy but you're, you're paying up for him quite substantially uh 8k hmm. again i i um i'm gonna go shank just because how well he's played you go Shank, I'll go Long. It'll be the Battle of the Adams. Um, 7K is an interesting one. I am going to go with uh, Zeng Shen Du or Marty Du as he is, and I'll also take Brian Stewart as well. I'm going to go with two because two of my four bets are in this range. Um, Hadley and um, Piercy. Love them both. Yeah, I like that. Um, one of them is definitely infinitely more likable than the other, but probably both just as capable in this golf tournament. Yeah. Um, 6k range I think we're probably going to have to go over a couple here again reluctantly um, do we give Brian Gay any chance of just turning up and doing one again we didn't really yeah, talk about that yeah it's a good question I mean why not right I mean I don't see why he couldn't when he it, won it he just had... put me off that he wasn't playing that well on the Champions Tour well, when he won here in, in 2020, he was coming off seven straight missed cuts. Yeah. I mean, look, actually, I say he's not playing that well, but he's actually got a fifth and a sixth in two of his last three starts and shot a 64 in round two of the Dominion Energy Charity Classic. So maybe Brian Gay is just coming in for the for the, the double up. He'd made, he'd made one of his past 11 cuts when he won. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, he could, do, he could do well, I think. He could probably do it. Um, I'm not going to go with Brian Gay because that will be probably one of the more obvious choices down here. So, we are going with Akshay Batia, both of us, I'm guessing, at 6,300. Um, it's tough to find a second one here. On a side note, did you see that John uh, Jonah Hill was playing John Daly in a film? I did see that. I had to write about it. And I. Um... It seems like it's going to happen. I, I can't picture Jonah Hill as John Daly, really, but he's, I think he's a really good actor. And I oh, he, he will be brilliant because, like, I initially just thought, okay, you're just looking at a slightly overweight actor playing an overweight golfer, yeah. and it's not a great fit. But I think we will see just how good Jonah Hill like, we know We already know how good Jonah Hill is, but, like, I think we'll really, like, if he plays this successfully, which I think he will, um, this could be a, a massive thing for him. Yeah, I, I still have him pictured like a super bad Johnny Hill, but then you saw what he did in, in Wolf of Wall Street and then War Dogs. Like he can do a bunch of different things. And he, John and Daly Ma did a, Moneyball. Great. Yeah, and Moneyball too. Um, John Daly posted a video on the Champions Tour Instagram. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. He said um, how like 
how Jonah Hills really, really wants to play him. And he's like really, really into it. And he says he's going to take him to the driving range. So he gets the backspin down and everything. Yeah, he like, said he's going to drive good. past his head or whatever. And then he can get the roll right or something. Yeah. If, if Jonah Hill ever implements the laugh that he has in War Dogs into any other film ever again, I will instantly love it. Like yeah, that, yeah. that little, that little <laughs> that laugh. Great. I'm not going to do it on the podcast because it, it's absolutely brilliant. I don't want to ruin it. Um, it's completely off topic again. Um, so we're both going with that shape here, definitely in the 6K range. Anybody else? No. Um, I think, uh, who, who did I say? Um, the guy, oh, David Hearn, I think. It wouldn't shock me if he kind of turned up and played well again. Um, did you ever remember who that 7K guy was that you wanted to talk about? No, I don't think he existed. Uh, he, he probably just wasn't very good at golf, <laughs> yeah. um, which is basically 95% of this field. I think that's it. I think that wraps us up. Um, otherwise we'll just start talking about Dirt McGirt again and making false accusations which we can't afford <laughs> to keep doing on the podcast um, after your Bernard Langer comment that we can't start throwing McGirt under the bus yeah but that's, uh, a, that's a that's a uh, compliment though that's, I a, that's a fact um, yeah I think that's us done for the Bermuda it's it's not the most enjoyable event we still managed to talk about it uh, for an hour and uh, here we are again Matt with another PJ Tour DraftKings preview yeah, I hope uh, Batia wins, so we'll see. Uh, we'll have a fun show next week. If, if Batia wins, this will be a, a very different show. Uh, what event have we got next week? Um, next week is... Is it the RSM, or is it another uh, a coastal thing? Let me see. I keep thinking that my code is just going to be next week every week, and it isn't. It is next week. So it is the OHL Classic next week. Whatever okay, they so call it these days. We need everyone to root for uh, Brandon Wu to miss the cut this week. And actually, it's here to win. Yes, but we'll miss the cut horrifically because <laughs> then we can win two weeks in a row because he'll win at a better price next week. He will. And then we, we'd have to win the lottery more. Right. That's us done, Matt. Um, thank you, everybody. And we'll catch up in a week. Mm-hmm.